0: Welcome to Epilepsycast, the podcast about all things epilepsy
1: from Epilepsy Action. Hello everyone. welcome to episode 7 of Epilepsycast. I'm Rich. Hello Hattie. I'm Hattie. Hi. Nice to be nice to be here with you as usual. Uh, yeah. You might notice something, Hattie. I think this is like the ongoing like saga and story arc of the podcast, but <laughs> I finally have. A haircut. A
0: haircut. Yeah, the pressing. <laughs> we talk about the pressing issues here on EpilepsyCast, but um, yes, Rich's hair I is know. now much, much just less big. There's just less of it
1: just less big yeah exactly it's much yeah my headphones don't stick about uh 10 inches off my head now they're, they're nice and flat to my head so that's lovely and you know just in time for that heat wave that we just experienced in the past weekend lovely and cool you know it, it felt like 20 degrees rather than 30 degrees to me what can I say <laughs> real nice. Um I also I also braved um braved a bar for the first time uh, since you know we were able oh, to go wow. to it now. That was a nice that good experience, you know. Um everything was set out nicely. It was actually a really good experience and you know even though you kind it was kind of weird and you were like very conscious of what you were doing and conscious of people around you. You know, it felt like nice to get back to at least a little bit of normality to be hanging yeah, out in a bar again.
0: Of course Uh, well I have a toddler so even before lockdown it's been a long time since I set foot in a bar um but well, I'm really glad
1: okay. that... <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I, no, I'll just rub it in your face <laughs> oh, yeah love bars me I can go to a walk time no responsibilities <laughs> <laughs> no it's
0: absolutely but, uh, fine um speaking yeah, of we've...
1: toddlers we we have just had we have just heard your toddler screaming in the background very upset about something so oh, yeah sorry if we do um... get a bit of that in the background right
0: now. yeah if we do that then uh, he's being put down for a nap and unfortunately that isn't what he wants to do today even though it's what he really needs so uh, he's expressing his feelings about that
1: um, can we exchange like bodies i'd gladly be put down for a nap right now.
0: <laughs> i know that's the Please. thing kids uh, never want to nap and i want to say to him but this is your opportunity <laughs> like, i know yeah exactly saying,
1: in 20 years time you won't be napping exactly it's completely
0: socially acceptable for you to do this right now um go right ahead although right to be right fair ahead. i think it's completely socially acceptable to get any rest or naps that you need whenever you do. So um, very true. No actually, judgment yes, here on yes. epilepsy cast, like do what you need to do.
1: Right. So what epilepsy news do we have to talk about this week, Hattie? Um, it
0: was, last week or the week before um but it was just after we recorded the last episode that the um the sun um newspaper online ran an absolutely um brilliant and quite shocking article um about epilepsy and education um we'll link to it in the show notes Um, and it features some people um hannah and anna and Sophie, all telling their story of their um experiences with education and um it links to the some statistics from the Office of National Statistics that shows that um apart from um those who have serious or specific learning difficulties, those with epilepsy are the least likely of um any disabled group to have a degree. And the most likely to right. have no qualifications at all. Okay. Um, which is really shocking to hear that. because I find that really kind of stark to hear? Um, especially when we know that it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, we know of. I mean, we've spoken to some on this podcast to some brilliant teachers whose schools support them with their epilepsy, and we also hear stories at Epilepsy Action of brilliant schools who support students with epilepsy all the time um there are they're required by law to make reasonable adjustments um that might be extra time or repeating things like regularly checking that pupils have understood um extra time in exams time off for appointments helping children catch up like they're required by law to do those things and um, we know that lots of schools take that completely in their stride and give loads of fantastic support so um, it's really hard to hear of those situations where that hasn't happened so um, we'll link to that article in the show notes and what we'll also link to is um, Epilepsy Action has some um, brilliant e-learning tools for schools, for teachers and stuff that can be used in the classroom as well Um, and they're actually really popular at the moment I don't know if it's because teachers have um, been kind of thinking about how they can support people more or kind of thinking about what it's going to be like when, we all, when kids hopefully go back to school in September. But those resources are there. They are um, really engaging. And I think um, I know that people find them really useful. So um, if you are a parent who has a child with epilepsy going to school or you work in a school, um, then please do check them out, point, them, point people to them. Um, they are really valuable to help schools kind of think about what they need to put in place to support pupils with epilepsy
1: yeah for sure and we have actually got a few teachers commenting and uh sort of linking linking the section on our website on social media um to to kind of um different uh teachers unions and stuff like that to, to to let them know that this resource on our website is is really good and maybe something that um you know i guess when lockdown was really in place and i guess now over the summer holidays that teachers can either catch up Uh, remind themselves or kind of learn for the first time about how to cope with um students that might have epilepsy so you've heard straight from the teacher's mouth good resource
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and the uh interview the person who we're chatting to on this podcast is actually with um somebody who is a teacher so um that's kind of we've got a bit of an education theme going on
1: we have yeah and speaking of education i guess uh we're also uh wanted to let you know about this piece of research that um some researchers from keel university are doing alongside uh ourselves we're kind of supporting them in it and um letting people know about it it's a it's a lar- it's a study um as part of a large project about wearable devices for epilepsy uh, uh which are used to detect epileptic seizures um, the kind of aim is to explore how people use them, what their p- opinions are about them, you know, and, and they are looking for uh, the opinions of people with epilepsy and maybe carers or family and friends that also kind of receive the alerts from wearable alarms and uh, also healthcare professionals' opinions on them. Um, so, we and we think that's really important because, you know, as, as you know, technol- technology evolves, um, the... Kind of ability to detect seizures and especially alert family members or close um, carers about them is is going to evolve and it's it's becoming really important. We constantly get questions about you know the best the best uh, the best devices and stuff like that. So uh, definitely take part if you can. We think it's really important and it's going to contribute to the evaluation and future developments of these well the devices that kind of detect seizures. So you can take part if you are a person with epilepsy age eighteen or over. Either you care for someone with epilepsy or you're a healthcare professional who works with people with epilepsy or you're the friend of the person with epilepsy or you're a family member of a person with epilepsy. Uh, so you can go to our uh, website, which is epilepsy.org.uk forward slash Keel Research. That's E L E Research and uh, you'll find all the details there. It's uh, only kind of like a 10 minute questionnaire, so uh, spare 10 minutes to help people. Uh, people with epilepsy in the future.
0: Yeah, anything that can improve um that kind of world as those technologies develop is really welcome I think. So it'll be really exciting to see what comes out of that research study in the future. And I, as I said, our um the person who we're chatting to um in the interview slot of this podcast um this week is a teacher. She's called Ibby. Ibby Maloney. And she's an English literature and language teacher and she also just under a month ago, had a baby. um hey. which um, is obviously a hugely turbulent time in anyone's life. Um, everything changes all at once. But um, Iby spared some time to chat with us um, about um, all things epilepsy and pregnancy and how that's all worked for her in the COVID lockdown. And so we're here on Zoom again, um, but we're here with Ibby. Hi, Ibby. Hello. How are you doing today? Hi, Ibby. Yes, great, thank you. Good. And we were just saying that the weather where we are is pretty grey and drizzly. I don't know how it is where you are today. Not too bad, not too bad. We're quite lucky. Grey skies, but no rain so far. And so, Ibby, we were just chatting before we were recording because you have just had a baby yes that's right yes very very lucky just um just under a month old so yeah (laughs) oh congratulations thank you so much um and it's a little girl is that right yes yes that's right yeah um and what's she called she's called neve um she's a quarter
2: irish so we've got some irish irish heritage and it means brightness and radiance and we're thinking it's the, the name is so important to me it's so symbolic not just coming out of the darkness of covid but sort of hopefully coming out of the darkness of my epilepsy journey as well really so the name was very very significant for both
0: of us yeah oh, right. that's so lovely see, have, you,
1: have you gone with the irish spelling as well
2: yes oh absolutely yes I oh see yes absolutely uh, that, that
1: name was that name was presented to me for the very first time quite recently <laughs> and i was like it's called Nyam. I was like, no, that's Neve. I was like, that's Neve. Wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the only time we I've ever seen Neve spell out was like with Neve Campbell and stuff like that. So that's very true. Much yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. It's a very, very unusual name. But we did have a blessing in church, and
0: they
1: pronounced it Nivea.
0: So oh, really? that's A little, little bit embarrassing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, bless.
0: I think it's a beautiful spelling, though. I think it looks really pretty as well as sounds really pretty. Oh, yeah, thank
2: definitely.
0: you. Um. Yeah, so you mentioned um your epilepsy journey. I wondered if you um could kind of talk us through kind of how that all started, like how long have you had epilepsy? Yeah, absolutely. So
2: four years ago I started experiencing what I now know to be absence seizures. Um and just these little blackouts where I just sewn out for 30 seconds up to up to about a minute, a minute and a half. Um and at the time I just put it down to tiredness. You know just a little bit of being overtired i worked in a very very intense secondary school um, which had nine periods a day wow and very, very,
1: wow. Um,
2: five lessons before lunchtime four lessons after lunch and Oof. the pace and the pressure was phenomenal and um, i worked there for four years and if i got to go for a wee at half past three that would be a real treat <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah, that
1: sound that does sound really intense. Really
2: yeah. intense. And um, the pressure to get grades was phenomenal. So whatever mm. your kids' target grades were, you you damn well got those grades. And yeah. um, and it just, <clears throat> whilst I did enjoy it, I didn't really look after myself during that time. I'd I'd often be on four or five hours sleep a night, and marking until the small hours, lesson planning, and dealing with the new GCSE spec. Very very high staff turnover.
0: But okay. yeah,
2: quite, quite intense. And I just would yeah. always put these little seizures
0: down to tiredness. Understandably, like you were working so hard that that you would, you would just, and I guess if you're not um, looking after yourself, you're not necessarily paying attention to what's going on with your body either. That's right, absolutely.
2: And then bizarrely, when I left there in
0: 2017,
2: after I left there, the seizures became more frequent. Okay. So it was almost like, I don't know if my brain was in some sort of recovery mode, but as soon as I left there, the seizures were up from anywhere from 4 to 12 every month. And I kept saying to myself, oh, if I have one more, I'll go to the doctors. Oh, no, that's fine. That doesn't really count. I'll go to the doctors if I have one more. Mm-hmm. And then I was working at another school and I had one in front of a class of 30, quite rowdy year nines. Right. Um, <laughs> Ideal audience for that.
1: <laughs> Fourteen, fifteen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I remember waking up and just saying, um, oh, right, come on then guys, let's let's read from page five, okay. Tony books, come on, let's go, page five. Now let like, miss we've just read this. And I was like, Oh, come on, stop messing me about, don't be silly. And I'm like, Miss, we've literally just read these pages. And I just had mm. a moment where I looked at these sea of faces and some of them were laughing, some of them were looking at me with concern, some of them were, you know, thinking, What's what is going on? And I just thought I've just had an absence in front of these kids. I've just, I don't know what time it is. I don't know where we got up to. I've lost some time. So I That's made so myself go. Yes, it was. It was very bizarre. Like for the first time in my life, I felt like I was living in a body that I no longer recognized. Mm. Right. I was very, very used very to being. in control. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I'm so someone who's very, very active and leads a very busy life. But I've always at school been top set, straight A student, got my grade eight piano, flew through school. Mm. Um, and just, I was suddenly in this body that wasn't doing what I was, I wasn't aware, you know, I would mm. wake back up and be like, so I went to the doctors and um, explained what had been happening. I had a log book. I was there, very good. I had a log book of all the times they were happening and how much sleep I'd had the night before, what I'd eaten and stuff um and i remember them saying it's it's suspected epilepsy and i just i just knew they were wrong you didn't just get epilepsy how could you like i just i just was convinced they were wrong like i've heard of people getting cancer very sadly and you get cancer at whatever age you don't get epilepsy how can you you're born with it or you don't have it like i just i was so convinced they were wrong right and i remember him saying to me from this point onwards you mustn't drive um, and we'll book you in for an MRI and an and a EEG on your brain. And I thought, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Like I've not got epilepsy. So I did, I drove, I drove home. And yeah. I remember sitting in my car and turning the keys to switch the engine off. And I didn't want to pull the keys out because I knew once I'd pulled the keys out, that was the end of me driving. Yeah. And I did not oh, I just sat in the car for ages and was just like, and I remember, I remember getting out the car and I thought, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna wait till I get the results, because the results are gonna prove this doctor wrong. Right. There's no way that I've got epilepsy. Mm. But the results which proved inconclusive, they said there was some abnormal slow wave activity. I waited and waited and waited for this results letter and it was a sentence. It was a single sentence <sighs> just saying there is some abnormal activity. Oh, I didn't really know what that
0: meant. Yeah.
1: Of no, course. yeah. That, that, I've caught, I think that confuses things a little bit more, don't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> what, what does yeah. that mean?
1: Some. Yeah.
0: Some? Um, is that a lot? Is that not a lot? Yeah, of course, you, you're yeah. waiting for the answer and then you, you, you just, and there's about a thousand more questions. That's right. Um,
2: and then I was incredibly reluctant to go on medication because that was almost acknowledging what I had. Mm. And I, So I, I didn't, I just kept thinking, oh, if I sort my diet out and just, you know, really look after myself, make sure I'm hydrated throughout the day. They'll go. They've come on. They'll just go, you know, like as yeah. almost as they've come. So I was very stubborn and very, very, very reluctant to take any medication. So I just carried on really. Still kept having them. Um, when I came back around, I'd often say, what day is it? What day is it? I don't know what day it is. Mm. And my husband would answer me, but I couldn't hear him. And I couldn't okay. hear myself in the question. And then when I eventually came round, I'd be so anxious to like, oh, what I just said? What have I just done? Oh my gosh, tell me what I've just said. And I'd be so anxious. I'd often trigger another one. I'd often bring okay. another one on just by being so embarrassed, you know, by yeah. what I've what I said. Or, well, and I
0: guess, um, you know, you're still in the, all of this. You're still having to stand up in front of a class. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're very exposed as a teacher, aren't you?
2: Yes, definitely. Definitely, you're the one who needs to be in control of your 30 kids and who's saying this to who, and you, you can't afford to, you know, be out just for a second. Um, and then, sadly, last June, I had my very, very, very first tonic chronic. Okay. So, oh gosh, like my husband was downstairs, I was upstairs, he heard a massive crash, and I tumbled off the bed, knocked over the bedside lamp, and was there on the floor and um, he was amazing he was going went back to all his boy That's scout it. training and was doing that like, airways breathing and circulation right. <laughs> <laughs> he was very 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 good but it was something that none of us have ever seen before um, no. and then had about a tonic clinic probably about once a month from that point onwards okay. um, right. so then the um, consultant asked my husband if he could possibly video one which he did I was sat on the settee and he was I was safe so he was able to video it and i've watched it twice and i w- I won't ever watch it again it was not me it was just mm. oh my goodness my eyes were back in my head and i was really fitting and shaking and it just yeah. it, was, it was quite upsetting to see yeah um I, I just could not believe that my body was almost doing this to me like yeah oh, so um and then we were planning a pregnancy for a long time and we were incredibly fortunate in in being able to conceive so quickly but I had some tonic tonics whilst pregnant Gosh. and that, that was terrifying um, the one wow, that I yeah. remember really vividly was January the 2nd because it was the day my husband went back to work I had sadly with the greatest of reluctance finished work just at the beginning of January this year um, right. Just because I couldn't afford to be pregnant and risk the tonic clinics. Um, yeah, and at that point, I was working in um, alternative provision. So I was working okay. with kids who were incredibly challenging, very, very, three kids in a class, really, really challenging students who'd, who'd been excluded from mainstream about five or six times. Right, and bless them. They really looked after me. They knew all about my epilepsy, and they were very, very, very good at going to fetch oh, body
0: Kids are amazing, script. aren't they? We've, we've had um, <laughs> we are, uh, a few episodes ago. We interviewed another um, teacher who teaches in primary, who yes. said that like the kids just take it all in their stride. Like even yes. it sounds like even the most challenging kids, like something right. innate and compassionate about people. I guess that like they will look after people. Definitely, absolutely. Yep, definitely. But
2: it was January the 2nd, and I was just using the downstairs toilet, which has got a very vivid green wall. And I know that it was 20 past four because I just sent a text to one of my friends. And the next thing I know, I woke up at half past five in the upstairs bedroom, flat on my back. My tongue was killing me. My tongue was Mm. really, really hurting. Banging headache.
1: Mm. And I
2: had one slipper on, one slipper off, tiny bit of blood on each side of my shoulder. Right. And I just had lost over an hour. I was like, how did I get up the stairs? What has just happened? Um, and I realized I must have had a tonic clinic. I think I fell forwards, um, sort of off the toilet. Heaven knows how I got myself up the stairs. Um, yeah. And then I remember because they've said to me, if you have a tonic clinic whilst pregnant, you must call an ambulance. And I remember ringing the ambulance, and I was so choked up, I couldn't say what I needed to say. And kept saying, "Is the patient breathing? Is the patient breathing?" And I was like, "The patient's me. I'm pregnant. I've just had a tonic-clonic. I don't know what I've done. I don't know if I've fallen. I don't know if I've hurt the baby." Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, every single time, the paramedics have been phenomenal, very, very, very good. Okay. But obviously, they ask questions like, "Have you felt the baby move since your seizure?" Yeah. Which.
1: Yeah, not, I'm really worry No,
2: not always. Yeah, of course. Mm. So with the greatest, again, of reluctance, I started taking medication mid-January. Okay. Gosh. I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to. I kept thinking, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm putting all of this five a day into my body for my baby. And at the same time, I'm popping pills. I don't want to do it. It's all right saying to me, there's not a risk. I don't want to do it. Like It doesn't sit comfortably with me to be taking tablets whilst having a little human inside me. Um, and had to increase the dose every two weeks so again (laughs) I didn't like doing that I felt very responsible and I kept saying if there's anything happening to this little baby when she's born it would be my fault and I'll never ever ever forgive myself you know for taking these tablets they reassured me that the background risk of any form of abnormality is two percent and with taking these tablets it's three percent okay which tablets were you taking <clears throat> Lamotrigine. Okay, so started at twenty five milligrams a day and then upped it, upped it, upped it to two hundred milligrams a day. Um, but yeah, that didn't. That wasn't something I was. No. Thinking.
0: And okay. like, it's all of those con- those decisions that you like that you have to make. That um, someone who doesn't have epilepsy doesn't like all of those decisions about right. risk and balancing risk and what's right. what's the best option and and it, and there's no perfect scenario in, in there as well, because the perfect scenario would be that you didn't have epilepsy, I guess. So yes. in all of that, you've got to um, work out what's right for you, what's right for your baby. what, And let just add a whole extra layer um, Definitely. of
2: Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Really difficult. Absolutely. The way they said it was it's balancing the risk. It's either you're taking the tablets and trying to reduce your seizures, or... You know, potentially doing damage to the baby through falling and all sorts of things like that by having a fit. Um, ideally, they wanted me to get the epilepsy under control before conceiving, but with again the greatest respect to the medical profession, when they told me that I was 35, not 25, you know, I had to, you know, you're, you're running out of time sometimes to, to have children, aren't you? You don't know how easy yeah. it to be for you. Um, and then sadly, again, on Easter Sunday this year, really, really bad conic in the upstairs bathroom, fell and blocked the door. So oh my God. husband wasn't able to get into the bathroom. And by this point I was, oh gosh, at least six months pregnant. Um, and he just, he was on the phone to paramedics, but he couldn't physically push the door open yeah. to, to be able to get to me. Right. Um, so then spent four and a half hours in A&E mid COVID with all you know they, they just they just couldn't bless them they couldn't do the social distancing and i remember lying on a bed in a corridor next to all these patients who were coughing and crying out in pain thinking oh gosh like i've come to check my baby's heartbeat but potentially risking us both with covid as well now you mm, know yeah oh geez. yeah well because
0: that's another layer isn't it
2: Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then basically, um, had a elective cesarean, which was on the tenth of tenth um, of July. Told them all about my condition. Explained that I'd not had a tonic tonic since Easter Sunday, but I had been having absences still. Um, and then I'd had to fast from eight pm the day before, and they didn't take me in until like half past twelve, so half past oh, midday. Gosh. And I remember, I remember going in, I remember them asking me what type of music I liked and I couldn't think, I just couldn't think what the genre was called. So I was just like, Oh no, heavy metal. No, like, you know, I'm not bothered about the music. <laughs> yeah. right. And then I remember, I think I remember being sat there and they said, you must keep very, very still now because we're going to put the epidural in and I was out. I was gone. I had some sort of absence, which I can't remember at all, but they said to oh, me, really? this an absence seizure. And he said, yeah. And I just go completely still, completely quiet and start moving my lips. Like,
1: mm. <sniffs> okay.
2: so yeah, it could have been, it could have been much, much worse. Like, thank the Lord it wasn't a tonic-clonic, um, you know, because obviously that's the one time when you have to be very, very still. Very still. With, with the needle going in. Um, but because they, they witnessed me having one, I had about four or five that afternoon as well. And I was incredibly sick, and I didn't have anything to eat at all all day. So I don't know if it's something to do with blood sugar or something to do with that. Yeah. But because of that, they did let my husband stay the night, whereas because of COVID, he would have just been allowed to hold the baby and then have to go. So that's one blessing from my epilepsy that he was he was able to stay. Yeah. I don't think they would have let him if they hadn't witnessed it. I, I really no. don't think they yeah. would have, because they have made that very very clear to us from the beginning. Um. You know he wasn't allowed with me at all until literally seconds before the operation and then they really stressed that partners must go because of the covid situation yeah. so yeah so even now I'm having to be careful there's various things I'm not allowed to do with the baby um, on my own and um,
0: different things like that yeah so that was um going to be one of my questions actually like um I I guess there are a lot, probably quite a lot of kind of adjustments and adaptions that you might have to make to manage having seizures when you, when you have a newborn around. Um, I wondered if you could let us know kind of what, what, what has stuck out to you as things that you've, you've like strategies that you've come up with to manage
1: it. <laughs> so, Military yeah, operations
2: one of the hardest things for me like even pre-pregnancy was losing my independence that was something mm. that just oh I just I still probably haven't come to terms with
1: yeah the way you, you the way you were describing taking your keys out of your car for the last time then that, that really hit me because I've never even thought about it like that and truly I haven't and yeah, yeah.
2: I farm. I'm from a very very isolated place so when I passed my driving test when I was 17 that was literally my gateway to freedom I felt right. so much better I wasn't having to ring my mum and dad like can you pick me yeah. up please like I could it was heaven to yeah. be able to drive and then I've been working oh gosh since I was 14 years old mm. so to have to finish work and to not be able to drive was just journeys that were half an hour took me two and a half hours yeah, yeah. And I've, I used to finish my alternative provision job at three o'clock, and the bus was at three twenty-two. And if I missed it, the next one was an hour. And so I remember leaving Oof. at three on the dot and I had to power walk up this the biggest hill you've ever seen. <laughs> and then I'd sometimes have missed it by seconds, and I'd be yeah. like, right, I can sit at the bus stop now for an hour, or I can just walk. And I sometimes mm. did walk home, but it would take me two and a half hours <laughs> to just right. Oh, so, yeah, sorry, I've gone off the question. Off the no.
1: It's all right, no worries.
2: Right. <laughs> With the baby. I'm we love
1: tangents back. here.
2: We really do. <laughs> yeah. That's me. <laughs> um, I miss I miss not being able to have a bath. Like having to say to my husband, I'm getting in the bath now, can you come and supervise me? Like, yeah. is it, oh, my yeah. gosh, it feels like... I just oh, it it really feels incredibly frustrating to someone who's used to being so independent and so able. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but That's yeah, silly. with the baby, I'm not allowed to carry her up and down the stairs, right? Um, at all, not even in the in the um, in the crib or the the carry the carry cot. Um, I'm not allowed to bathe her on my own. I, I constantly have to shout through to my husband, I'm fine, I'm fine, like all the time. He's very good at watching me. And if, if he sees that I've gone for a little bit, he'll be like, Are you okay? Are you all right? And if I, if I talk back to him, he knows. And sometimes he'll ask me a question, like, What's your date of birth? What's your name? And if I give him the right answer, he knows that. <laughs> right.
1: He's <laughs> got a checklist.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, I was really looking forward to being a mum, but it's quite. Sometimes I do struggle because I feel like I'm being babysat as well. Right. Yeah. My mum and dad and my husband won't ever leave me just with Neve. So some, who's with Ib? Who's watching Ib? And it, it's they're doing it because they care. Of course they do. But since having epilepsy, I have felt like a bit of a burden to people. Because mm. it's like, right, like, who's with Ib? What, what, who's looking after Ib? And I'm like, ah, I'm 35. Uh, I don't need looking after Yeah.
1: Obviously, <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course.
2: <laughs> You, I'm still in a position where I can't say to you, Oh, I'm three weeks clear, or I've not had a seizure for two months, or I had one on uh, Friday,
0: so I'm I'm just two days clear at the minute. Yeah, of course, and that's that kind of um, all of those it's a recurring theme with the conversations that we have with people, but all of those extra things that people don't think about when they hear epilepsy, so like that, you say, like you know you lose your ability to drive so you lose your independence people are watching you all the time like you there are ways I guess you know you have to with Neve, like you have to like set everything up that you're going to need downstairs because if you can't go upstairs and get something if you need it yes absolutely Um, yeah and the other thing
2: since being pregnant I did have about four or five absent seizures where I wet myself which was again, mortifying. Um, I'm a massive netball player. I love netball, play netball three or four times a week. Stopped when I was pregnant. And then before COVID, I used to go in school and watch the games and support and cheerlead. And you know, I I love it. And I had an absence of and wet myself. And I don't think anyone noticed, but I didn't know until I got back in the car. And I sat down, I thought, I'm wet, I'm all wet. And it's just, it's, it's painfully embarrassing. It's really yeah. quite excruciating because I can have an absence for 30 seconds and no one, unless you're talking to me, might not even notice. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking,
0: gosh, I've just wet myself. Like how how embarrassing, you know? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, again, like it's that like being exposed and um, being at the mercy of kind of the people around you when you, you have a seizure and you don't know what's going to happen.
2: Yeah and I have to confess I was not aware of the condition at all Um I very rarely taught anybody who had it and all I would know about it is when you have the warnings on the tv like no. flashing lights and everything like that but I would never yeah, have known yeah. absent seizures and again with the diagnosis I've got no family history so that was one of my other reasons but no it's not epilepsy it's nobody in my family's got epilepsy so how can it be and I think one of the other things as well is some people can link it to a car accident or a brain injury or something. Yeah. On. And yeah. I think that might have made it easier for me to accept as well. If I'd like, oh, yeah. ever since I fell off that horse I've had or ever since I uh, and I haven't it literally just came on and just I haven't have, got the reason but yeah, it's definitely I
1: was gonna go back I was gonna go back to, back to that actually when you were you you were mentioning, you know, kind of you had never never right you never realised that like, you could just kind of get epilepsy. So, um, you know, you've talked about how you kind of reacted to it. What about your family and friends and that kind of thing? How did they react?
2: I think they were probably more accepting than I was. Right. Because the okay. condition had a name and then obviously with that name we did a lot of research and looked at the different types of epilepsy, because prior yeah. to that I would have just thought of the fits. Yeah. The yeah. Full blood fits. Yeah. And they were very, very, very keen for me to get on medication as soon as possible because I think, especially my mom, she's determined for me to get driving again because she knows how much that has just crushed me. Mm. Oh my goodness! So she's determined to get me better. She really is determined to to beat it more so than me in some ways. Sometimes right. I sometimes lose, I lose yeah. heart with it a little bit. <laughs> um, especially because i've not really gone i think the most i've done is 21 days free. and so in some ways whilst i was initially determined to drive again hmm. I, I haven't got that inside me anymore because i'm frightened i'm frightened to you know um but no my family just in case anything happens
1: yeah and especially i guess with now um your yes little girl. yeah definitely. even more so yeah, yeah.
2: I mean they've been very very supportive but I wouldn't say anybody without wanting to because I'm so lucky to have such a gorgeous group of friends and family but none of them understand like they don't actually mm. understand what it's no. like like at all like I've tried to explain it but sometimes you'll hear people talk where they've not driven for about a week and I'm like oh my gosh was that hard for you was it not driving for a week I've not driven for two and a half years
0: now like do you know what yeah. I mean yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely sometimes people don't um think do they before they speak or um like yeah that kind of comparative stuff can be really hard things that were once so easy like getting a text from a friend like you want to meet up yeah sure what time do
2: uh, i now have to really rethink like how am i getting there how am i getting back how can I sort of relate if they're having to be like, oh, I've got to drive 20 minutes to pick it up and then we've got to having to coordinate with all different people just because I'm transportless. That's that's yeah. very, very difficult. Um, and sometimes you just can't do things on the bus. Like, you know, normally you pack your car with different bits and bobs and you just can't, can't manage to do it sometimes on public yes. transport. But um, no, so, but, and, and also the other thing was, you know, not having anyone, there wasn't an epilepsy action group in Nottinghamshire. Mm. Mm, at all that's why I really really wanted to set one up I was so yeah. determined to set one up and still am despite the COVID, <laughs> COVID restrictions. yes but I just I wouldn't want anybody else to walk out of a doctor's surgery with the word epilepsy in the head just being like now what 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 now now what am I yeah. supposed to do like you know and I've, I've attended yeah. the derby group twice and it's been so therapeutic I can't even say how incredible it was the first time I went with my mum and there was quite a few mothers and daughters there and mum just she was exactly the same just talking to other mothers oh my goodness and we all had such different stories to tell but every oh it was it was very moving very emotional very 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 cathartic and so it's sad really that they they finished you know with COVID, yeah. but we've been doing them on Zoom and yeah. I'm determined to get this Nottinghamshire group. I, I know this sounds insane, but I'm, <laughs> I'm determined that every single doctor's surgery in the whole of Nottinghamshire will have one of our posters up. That was my mission. I was yes. in the middle of posting them through to everybody just when the outbreak started, but I'm determined, I'm absolutely determined <laughs> that I was going to do little spot checks. So I was going to walk into the surgery. <laughs> I'm determined.
0: Where is the poster? Is. I sent you a poster. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great though.
1: So obviously you found the the Dive group so so helpful that you, you you determined to set this group up and unfortunately yeah as as you said COVID hit and we've had to put all our groups online for now. But hopefully in the in the future you can continue that mission.
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so I was struggling not working. I was struggling, you know, not working in January, February. So I applied for quite a few new jobs in March, just oh, temporary yeah. jobs. All within school context, so it all kind of when the schools closed, they didn't exist anymore. But on the application form, it said, "Do you consider yourself to have a disability?" Yes or no. And I was like, "I've never had to tick yes to that box ever. I've never, ever, ever had to tick yes." And I don't. I don't really consider myself disabled because I've not registered disabled. I've not got a blue badge or anything.
1: Right. But
2: I suppose you can't put no because that's dishonest. You know, that's that's not. So I remember having to tick yes and it said please give details and the box wasn't big enough for me to write my entire life epilepsy journey mm-hmm. that really struck me do you consider yourself to have a disability yes or no and I was like goodness me I'm I'm going to have to put yes you know that was a real moment <laughs> yeah of course
1: i guess i guess speaking speaking of jobs as well and um you said you know that year your, your kind of last job um the kids were all you know clued in and they kind of were all accepting that kind of stuff but what about your previous jobs that they kind of paid attention to your epilepsy and you know put things in place at all or has it been kind of not not so great because we've spoken to bob who you know we mentioned earlier where his school uh, apparently really fantastic and they have loads of stuff in place for him but then our last guest patients um, she's struggling to get jobs or keep jobs because of her epilepsy and once they, once they find out they're kind of like oh no maybe not maybe you're not the right person for the job mm. so i was wondering what your experience has been
2: yeah, so mid-diagnosis, I wasn't very honest with the school
1: um, right. because
2: I had the appointment in March and I didn't have the EEG till the end of July, so I didn't tell the school that I was undergoing investigation for it. Because um, right. I'd only been there since January and I didn't feel comfortable to sort yeah. of tell them these intimate health things, especially if I had the scan and the MRI and it turned out to be all normal. I didn't want to. Hmm. So I wasn't. I wasn't honest with them. But then when I started my previous position... The two heads of school um, were ex-army and came with their own set of um, post-traumatic stress and various right. different, different things. So incredibly supportive, oh, very good. keen to make all the staff and the kids aware. But for me, for the first time in my classroom, I had to have the posters of what to do. This is what right. to do. This is yeah, the epilepsy. Yeah. And so it yeah. was quite, quite unusual for me. And um, uh, the kids were very, very, very good. They never witnessed a tonic clinic no. But they were very good at knowing what to do um, if, if I was to have an absence and they would go and get somebody straight away. They really had a very strong sense of loyalty, bless them, despite right. everything that
0: they've been through. Um, yeah. That's really good that's to hear. Good. That is really good to hear um, that kind of that it is possible, and that there is support out there. Um, and that, yeah, even you say even the most challenging kids in the most – Challenging yes. setting, like were able to show that compassion and care, and know what to do, and um, look after you. That's right. Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Um, well, well, maybe yeah. we have a question for every interview we've had so far, and this is always the closing question. Um, it's if you could tell someone newly diagnosed with epilepsy one thing, what would it be? I give give you time to think unless you have something straight away gosh that's a very
2: good one Um... (laughs) I would say just just stay strong and don't give up it is not the end it's not the Mm -hmm. end at all in some ways it is the beginning because you need so many different people and hear so many stories and and even just attending the group is sometimes such a reality check like oh my gosh i'm so lucky this person has 20 seizures a day there's me complaining that i've got four a month you know mm. like it's 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 just the beginning so just stay strong and and don't don't give up
1: lovely words and uh hopefully we will have your nottingham group set up later in the, later definitely. In the year yeah. so definitely, yeah, definitely keep an eye out that, for that because we always uh, if you are in the Nottingham area we always put out blasts uh, whether you signed up to our emails or on social media as well so yeah, yeah. Ibi, we'll hopefully be there supporting you along the way <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely. definitely well thank you so much Ibi and we wish you all the best as um, the future goes on and as um, Neve starts to grow and change um, it's really exciting times. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Ah, oh, I I'm so glad that Ibby took um Ibby had the time to chat with us there because I think just um that experience of being so newly diagnosed with epilepsy and handling pregnancy, um, and the coronavirus situation it's just layers All upon layers upon layers of challenges Um yeah
1: so many adaptations and adjustments she's had to make i think i mentioned it in the interview as well but the moment when she said you know she couldn't take a key as keys out of the car that was that's that's really that's got to me is that one that's a heartbreak at that one i, yeah. I haven't ever thought about it that way Um yeah, so absolutely. yeah she's definitely taught me something there
0: the kind of the bolt out of the blue when you hear that word epilepsy and suddenly everything can change like yeah um and um, but i'm really glad and happy that neve seems to be really healthy and doing really well so that's brilliant news um, definitely in the midst of everything obviously we know that everyone with epilepsy is different and everyone's experience with epilepsy is different um, just as everyone's experience with pregnancy and childbirth and child care is also different um, so we do have lots of information on our website about um epilepsy and having a baby um, right from like thinking about having a baby right through pregnancy childbirth and um child care, um at the other side so um if you go to epilepsy.org.uk and type um pregnancy or having a baby into the search box then you'll be able to find all of our information there
1: excellent so that wraps up for episode seven of epilepsy cast uh, episode eight is in two weeks time and it will be unfortunately our last in the series oh, it's gonna be uh, emotional no yes and um, again once again we, we're not sure on the guest uh, mystery guest once again but uh you will be able ah, to but find that's out
0: because the guest is oh. going to be a winner of one of our new epilepsy action helping hands awards
1: ah there you go so, so that's
0: why we don't know quite yet who they're gonna be
1: right okay so I guess we're look out for the winners um as usual on our social media channels um at epilepsy action on pretty much everything uh and maybe you can guess who the guest will be guess okay. the guest guess the guest <laughs> that's a new game that's the that's the game for next time but uh yeah as I say follow us on all our social media channels and make sure you do follow us on all your favourite podcast feeds Spotify Apple Google etc leave us a review four stars at least um and uh Always look out for the next podcast in a couple of weeks. Hattie, I'll see you then.
0: It's been a pleasure.